Hello, I'm Martin Park. You can call me coach. Welcome to the channel. Today I'm going to talk about, is the internet slowly killing you? In the digital age, the internet has become an inseparable companion in our daily lives. It is our trusted navigator, our instant encyclopedia, and our window to the world. We scroll through social media feeds, devour news and events, and binge watch the latest shows, all with just a few taps. The World Wide Web is a vast well of information that has brought about incredible advancements and revolutionized how we work, communicate, and access knowledge. And for most people, it is an indispensable tool. Yet, as we find ourselves tethered to our screens for hours on end, it's only natural to ponder the potential downsides lurking in the digital shadows. And for me, as a health practitioner, I'm particularly concerned with the ever-increasing practice of people using the internet for self-diagnosis and community support for whatever they perceive to be ailing them. In my experience, on any given day, most people who are suffering from non-life-threatening ill health could, and possibly will, experience a wide range of symptoms. These symptoms can be categorized into three main groups, physical, mental, and emotional. Here is a combined list. Fatigue, tiredness, headaches, muscle tension, digestive discomfort, pain, stiffness, nausea, allergies, skin irritations, dizziness, brain fog, vertigo, procrastination, worry, restlessness, distraction, confusion, irritability, inability to concentrate, forgetfulness, frustration, impatience, boredom, sadness, anxiety, panic, depression, restlessness, mood swings, fear, overexcitement, apathy, feelings of loss of control, and the list can go on and on. So, for the sake of this discussion, let's say that someone, anyone, on any given day starts to experience any or many of these unpleasant but non-life-threatening symptoms I have described on this list. And in their search for answers, or a cure, or relief, they go to Google and they type in their symptoms. And then Google does what it is programmed to do, and it brings up the most likely answer and response to the data that has been put into the search box. If you, like our person, types into Google various combinations of the list of symptoms that I have just described, the top five most common answers it will provide you with will be chronic fatigue syndrome, generalized anxiety disorder, fibromyalgia, depression, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And, thanks to Google, along with that list of answers, that list of possible diagnoses, our person will also get a number of websites, hundreds in fact, that will go into a lot more detail on all of these disorders so that they can get a much better understanding of what this all means. So our person does just that. They go from site to site, reading and searching into what might be the possible cause or causes of their particular set of unpleasant symptoms. And as they will now only be looking into the top five that Google gave to them, and they will be only looking at the sites that Google recommended to them, they have already unknowingly started to form an uneducated bias and preconception as to what they may have. So, having now become armed with some assumed knowledge, a person will do one of a few things. 
If they are very concerned, they will go to a doctor and ask them for advice. If they are still in the searching phase, they will continue researching on the internet, and as they do, eventually they will end up on one of the many support platforms and forums that have been built around the specific disease that they are looking into so they can discuss their problems at length. Or, if they don't want to do either of those, then they may go straight to self-diagnosis and start looking into therapies and treatments via Google and the internet, of course, to hopefully find a cure or at least alleviate their now perceived condition. Now, to be fair, Google or the internet is not at fault here. It's not malfunctioning. It's just doing what it has been designed to do. And that is to give people the most likely and relevant answers to their questions. And that is a very important point to consider. It doesn't know what it is doing. It is just responding to the text in the box. If you prompt it with the right questions, you may get the right answers. But if you prompt it with a generalized question, then you will get the most generalized response. And now we have an even more advanced search and answer application on the internet, ChatGPT. And in the spirit of research, a friend of mine has the paid ChatGPT4 version. So I went around to his house and I asked it the same questions as our hypothetical case study. My first question was, hi, my friend has these symptoms. And I listed the symptoms we've just discussed. Then I asked, could you give me a bullet list of the most probable diseases that could be causing this array of symptoms? And its answer was in this order, chronic fatigue syndrome, generalized anxiety disorder, fibromyalgia, depression, thyroid disorders with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, being sixth on the list. Almost identical to what Google gave. How good is that? Very clever, if you ask me. But let's continue with our person. If, now armed with their new knowledge and, thanks to the internet, a much more detailed and accurate description of their symptoms, they choose to seek advice from a medical doctor, then based on those clearly articulated symptoms, they will most likely get a similar diagnosis to what they went in to get confirmation to, as the doctor is only working with the same basic knowledge and information that AI and Google are working with. So... The doctor will then most likely arrange a bunch of tests, but unfortunately, the list of the top five diseases slash disorders that we are talking about are nearly impossible to detect using what is currently available to modern medicine, as the range of symptoms can be caused by so many things. If you search Google with the question, what is the cause of, and then just add in one of the top five from our list of possible diseases, from the reputable sources, it will usually say something along the lines of, the exact cause is not fully understood, which is the truth. They do not know. Now, if on the other hand, our person chooses to go online and join in with the wider community to discuss their problem via chat groups and forums, etc., they will be greeted with open arms and empathy and understanding and sympathy, all very lovely and reassuring things. And if our person is of the right temperament, then here they will have found a new home. And finally, if they choose neither of those options, but instead decide to start looking into therapies and treatments, again, via Google and the internet, to hopefully find a cure, or at least to help alleviate their now perceived condition, they will inevitably end up on YouTube. And on YouTube, they will find every possible answer and every conflicting answer to how to treat what they have now decided that they have. And what do they have? What is causing all this wide array of symptoms? And is it even possible to truly ever know? Possibly not, but perhaps some people do know. Perhaps it is not such a mystery after all. And perhaps it only appears to be a mystery because the wrong questions are being asked.
while still at my friends and while using his chat GPT-4, I also asked another question. And it is a question that I have known the answer to for decades. And it is the type of question that you can't type into Google as it is too complex. So I was curious to see what answer I might get from this new and more powerful application. And the question was exactly this. If someone's diet was deficient in many and most micronutrients, and that was coupled with a stressful life that was also lacking in adequate exercise and quality sleep, plus there was the possible use of alcohol, caffeine, cigarettes, or other recreational or pharmaceutical drugs, would it be possible that this is the sole cause of this list of symptoms without any need for an underlying disease? And it answered exactly this, yes. A long-term diet deficient in essential nutrients and micronutrients coupled with a stressful lifestyle alongside a lack of exercise and inadequate sleep plus other negative lifestyle factors can certainly contribute to a wide range of physical and mental health symptoms, potentially mirroring the list you provided. So then I asked, so... If a long-term diet deficient in essential nutrients and micronutrients coupled with a stressful lifestyle and a lack of quality sleep and sufficient exercise could be the possible cause of these symptoms, wouldn't it be logical to fix the diet and other factors first and then see if the symptoms disappear before heading down any other path of discovery and medication and treatment? And it answered, yes. It would indeed be logical and advisable to address modifiable factors such as diet and lifestyle, especially as these factors are known contributors to the symptoms. In doing so, you could avoid potential unnecessary treatments. Now, I have been working as a professional health coach for over 45 years, and I can honestly say that this answer is the truth. So what do you do with all that? My suggestion, before you search for any other reasons, before you seek any other opinion, before you accept any other diagnosis, before you start on any form of treatment, before you decide on what you are going to believe, and especially before you become locked into a way of thinking that is potentially slowly going to kill you, put all your effort and energy and passion into making sure that your basic nutritional and other health requirements of life are being met. And if you don't know what they are, then I have another podcast titled The Ten Commandments of Living a Healthy Life, so have a listen to that. But if you are listening and thinking, what a load of rubbish, I'm sick here, and you clearly don't know what you're talking about at all, so you must be an idiot, then that is your choice. Every day I see and talk to people who are suffering with this exact same range of symptoms, and it kills me that I can't tell them something or give them something that changes their mind and path immediately, and in doing so, their suffering ends. But I can't, as they are already locked into their own universe, and they are seemingly unable to change as their beliefs are holding them securely in place. But for everyone else that is still open-minded, here are your options. One, you continue to believe that you have some vague but identifiable condition that unfortunately medical science still has no answers to, so you are probably going to be stuck in a cycle of medication and therapies that are designed to alleviate the symptoms, but never the cure, so you will stay there in a half-alive state forever. Or two, you can listen to me, and with a bit of effort to get all your ducks in a row, you can fix it once and for all, and live a life of wellness and vitality. And what would that life look like? Here is a list of symptoms. Abundant energy and vitality. Clear skin and vision. Comfortable digestion. Sensory pleasures. Refreshed sleep. Pain-free. Mental clarity. Creativity. Calmness. Focus. 
positive thinking, motivation, mental resilience, mental agility, happiness, gratitude, confidence, optimism, satisfaction, empathy, inner peace, and joy. And let's face it, even if I am an idiot, what have you got to lose in trying what I'm suggesting? The worst thing that could happen is that you put all your effort into looking after yourself, as I'm suggesting, and then nothing positive happens at all. And if that is the case, which it won't be, then you can just go back and continue on the path that you were previously following. But if I'm right, which I am, then you are the idiot for not listening and taking positive action. So back to the question, is the internet slowly killing you? I believe it is not the internet. It's the choices that you make. So finally, if you need help in working out what you should do to fix this, then don't hesitate to ask me. I thank you for listening and I look forward to spending some time with you again. Bye for now.